beautiful Lightfold Souls. I'm so excited to be here with Laura Powers, and we're going to jump into her story and her life. But I do want to remind you that I have a summit coming up with lots of near-death experiencers and researchers. So please check out that link and the link to my book, Angels in the OR, will be posted below. Everything about uh, what we're going to talk about, Laura's background and her offerings and everything will also be in the show notes. So please check that out. But Laura is amazing. She is a celebrity psychic, has over seven books out there about just so many different cool topics. She's been on NBC, ABC, uh, Fox, and other places, but she's an angel communicator, a psychic, a celebrity psychic, clairvoyant. But what is really fascinating to me is I interview so many near-death experiencers, but she had these abilities from a very young age and held on to them. So I can't wait to talk about this. But hi, Laura, welcome to the program. Oh, it's such a pleasure to talk with you. And I love talking about anything angels, the spiritual realm, etc. So, so happy to be here. <laughs> cool, cool. And I read that you have a TV production uh, and it's pre-production. You're filming for it, a TV Yeah, screen? yeah. So I, I have been um, a regular on a television show called The Jet Set and I developed a relationship with them. They liked me. They pitched me to their network. They said yes. And so I'm in the planning phases for that right now. And we'll start shooting actually pretty soon in August. And uh, yeah, we'll be on the air before long. So I'm really excited. And I love um, teaching in that way. I feel like television is just a, a wonderful teaching tool and platform to just help continue to share this information with other people. It is. It is. It reaches a wider audience and mm -hmm. people who might not pick up a book will turn on the television and will see this and it will seep into more lives, I think. So I think that's great. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So my first question to you is how young were you when you first started seeing ghosts and, and just kind of assimilating some of that? Yeah, gosh, you know, I think my clairvoyance, I'm clairvoyant, so I see, um, has been there ever since I was, you know, here in body, basically, <laughs> and I'm also an empath, so I feel energies and emotions from outside my body in my body, and I don't, I don't know that I can ever really differentiate when it wasn't there, I think it's just always been there, and then as I got older, it just got more and more developed, so my first memory is actually of the other side, for example, so I actually remember you know, before I was Laura, <laughs> essentially, wow. and uh, it was, it was definitely confusing for me growing up, because it's not like I got here, and I'm like, well, that's what's going on, I mean, I was here, and incarnated, and trying to figure it out, you know, just like everyone, what's going on, but it was clear to me, since I was little, that I was seeing and sensing things that others weren't, so I remember asking my mom when I was, I think about six, if, she saw things and I knew based on her response that she didn't know what I was talking about, you know, and I observed, I could see things that other people didn't react to. And so I actually grew up thinking that maybe I was crazy. I mean, what do you do when other people don't see yourself right. what you do? And this was also before the internet, you know, before things were developed, it's so much easier to open up these things now because you can find information, resources, YouTube videos, you know, groups and blogs about this stuff. And so I, thinking that I was crazy, just didn't talk about it. I just didn't talk about the things that I was experiencing or seeing or sensing. And then um, as I grew older, my abilities strengthened as well. And uh, when I was in college, actually, a, a family friend described a ghost that I'd seen but never told anybody about. And that's at the point where I knew it wasn't just in my head, that I wasn't crazy. Oh. And it was 
it was both kind of comforting and terrifying at the same time. <laughs> you got a verifiable like, oh, detail. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I hadn't told him. And this man said very specific details about this ghost, um, you know, where he was, what he looked like that I hadn't ever told anyone about. And so, yeah, that, that was kind of the beginning of the confirmation for me. But growing up, it was always very confusing. I sometimes had a hard time telling if a person was a, a, alive or not, meaning I would see ghosts and think they were live people. Um, so, you know, that caused a lot of confusion, stress. I once, for example, uh, you know, called the cops on a ghost thinking it was an intruder in the house, you know, things like Whoa. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. So there was only one moment after my near-death experience where I opened my eyes and I saw lots of ghosts and angels on the street as if they were people, you know, where that perception yeah. and that veil but that's the way you grew up. You just grew up seeing them as if they were that real and that crystal clear. Yeah. And I'm not saying that that was happening all the time, but it did yeah. happen and it happened enough to be confusing for me. Yeah. And I would say that generally now I can tell, but I will still have, I've still had recent moments, um, you know, even within a couple of years ago where, where it happened, where I thought I was talking to someone alive and then I realized that no one else could see this person and they were a spirit and, you know, so it happens. Um, and I think that's the thing with the spiritual realm is it can be confusing. And so what I would do in my, in my sort of daily life is I kind of turn it down, you know, so I try, I, you know, I focus on more of the material world. And then when I'm doing reading or doing my work, a house clearing, et cetera, I really focus on that all the time, but sometimes it'll pop in really strongly. And I think there's a, a, a variety of reasons for that. Sometimes how the spirit is presenting themselves, you know, karma between me and the spirit, you know, it's a, it's a complex situation. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it can be overwhelming when, uh, when there's so much there. So uh, thankfully, it's not so much that I can't just kind of live my life most of the time. And for people who are sensitive and watching this and pick up on ghosts, the clearing aspect that's something I just kind of fell into after my near-death experience. There would be these moments where I would realize, okay, there's a ghost in the room. It's messing with us. I'm going to open up a portal, send it to the light. I know the light. Let's just let it go. And it would either leave or go into the light. And is, could you describe your clearing process and, and how you help um, souls transition on or, or what you do? Yeah. Yeah. It's very much like what you talk about. I, I think of it as being like a ghost whisperer, <laughs> you know, so talking with ghosts and um, basically explain to them what's happening with, with the ghosts. You know, you can think of them as a live person without a body and they still have their free will. It's in place just like we have our free will as incarnated beings. And so, you know, can't force them to cross over nor would I want to, but just try to explain to them why it's good to do so and then give them the opportunity. One of the tactics I have found that works really well is to always tell them, you know, hey, if you don't like it, you can come back. But of course, no one ever wants to come back once they come <laughs> over there. Uh, and just establish boundaries for the, the human, you know, live occupants um, that are there. Sometimes it's about just you know, okay, if you don't want to cross over, I'm not, I can't make you, but you can't, you know, you can't do what you're, you know, doing and stay in someone's space if they don't want you to be there. Right, right. And then have you ever found that some people are, um, basically they are afraid to let go of their own connection to a spirit. So they are connected in some way. So you might try to clear the spirit from their place and it keeps coming back because there's a connection between them and that oh, spirit. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, so sometimes people do get attached to the spirits that are in their home or around and sometimes there's karmic 
connections between them and past lives. And so, uh, you know, I believe that my role is trying to help in, in the best way, but um, there's only so much that I can or should do if, if, you know, those people are kind of attached and connected, that's up to them to, you know, allow for that releasing to happen. And I believe that everything happens in divine timing and I'm not going to try to force anything to happen. Yeah, yeah, because that happened once, and I thought, okay, I cleared this already, and now it's back in this person's house, <laughs> and I, I just kind of left it alone and said no, because I thought there was something connected to the person and, and the spirit. Yeah, and also another thing to to think about is that, uh, you know, people, it's sometimes it's the person that's kind of haunted, or, or the person, you know, in that sense, that is attracting that versus the space, and then it's, it's up to that individual to look at their patterns and, you know, whatever they're attracting and their beliefs. So frequently, if someone is attracting spirits then that are not in the light, so earthbound spirits or ghosts, then they may have um, some kind of pattern in place that where they're wanting to help save or rescue others or a self-sacrificial pattern or something like that. And that's something that everyone has to heal and release in their own time and way. So yeah. also, if you heal and clear, really something in a space, if that um, live occupant hasn't addressed that pattern for themselves, and they can just attract, maybe not that same spirit, but someone else that's in a, another one that's in that same pattern. Yeah, it's very interesting. Good points. And the difference between the ghosts, the ghosts look like people to me when, when that veil opened up, but, but the angels can take on the form of people, but often they have this huge form. Just there were there's a lot of variety in angels. That's what surprised me. Oh, <laughs> completely. Oh yeah, they're they're just as varied as like humans, and maybe more so. Yeah, completely. And even just within the archangels, like you know, two of the archangels that I work with regularly are Michael and Raphael, and those two alone are so different from each other. Michael being very like stoic and serious, and the protector, and like. Raphael being almost like a comedian and very playful and you know yeah, yeah. very different energies at play I like I like those both as well too like and they're yeah. mostly necessary they balance each other totally, totally yeah but and you know you're not the only person I've talked with several people who use Michael and this um usually as a form of authority or setting boundaries or um creating order Oh yeah, he's great for protection, for boundaries, for manifesting. Uh, I say if there's just one angel that you remember to call on, he's a great one for that. And then Raphael also has so many amazing, you know, things he's great for um, traveling, for chance meetings, for healing, for manifesting and money, you know, so <laughs> also yeah. really great one. And here's a great question that I'm sure you've answered before and people ask me sometimes, why call on angels when you can call on God? And I have this answer that I say, well, I think that angels have specific missions and it's just very lovely to use them to say, hey, I want to meet the right person who's going to help me with this project. Can you be involved in that? And I just feel their energy involved in, in those moments. Yeah. And so that seems like a great thing, but... Yeah, I feel like it's great. I mean, do call on God if you want to, but I feel like the angels, that is their specific purpose and mission is to help us in this way. So it's just a very like targeted way to receive help. It's to me, it's just, it's just an easy way to do it. And um, it's kind of like, if you need help, call the right person for it right away. <laughs> <laughs> I you like know, that. Yeah. And yeah. 
the universe has these agents that operate and just just like we have specialties and jobs here the angels have theirs and so when you call on an angel that works on a specific thing it's just like getting the right kind of support yeah yeah the manifestation of healing i've i've played around with it just in moments but say i have a cut or a burn i will just um, spend time you know sending healing and asking the healing angels to work on it and i've seen burns go away really quickly you know if i'm in the kitchen and burn my hand or whatever yeah if i remember to ask the angels for that healing so i think a lot of times people forget and it's just a remembering and it's a reminder that we need to be reminded that they're there they're willing to work with us absolutely and i think it's something that uh you can get in the habit of. And so right now I, I, I have to, it's, it's interesting. I feel like I have to call on them less than I used to. And now it's like almost this automatic thing. I still, I still ask for them, their help. Don't get me wrong. But when I was first getting connected with them as a realm and learning to change my life, I, I felt like I had to ask like all the time. And it's kind of like riding a bicycle they're, they're more a part of my general presence. And also I work with them all the time. It's less, it feels like less work. It feels like a lot easier to just integrate them in my life now than, than in the beginning. Yeah. And I do want to talk, if you don't mind a little bit about, it sounds like you went through a healing crisis, a divorce, and you wrote yeah. about this big change. And I think people transform in those moments. And that's, a lot of people can relate to what you went through as part of a greater awakening process, but what was that like for you? Oh my gosh, yes. I went through an incredible transformation in pretty much every way. So I was in a toxic marriage. I was unemployed. I was physically sick. You know, I had many uh, medical diagnoses. I was 50 pounds heavier than I know. I was on sleeping pills. Like pretty much every area of my life was a mess. <laughs> and I actually went to a psychic myself because I just felt so lost like my life was in total disarray I just felt really lost and confused about what to do and you know she was uh one of the first ones to explain to me you know that I with my psychic abilities I, I basically had blocked them out for years because I didn't know what to do how to handle them she explained that when I did that I blocked out the helpful information that I need I blocked it was like I, I blocked out the light as well as the dark the dark stuff that I was struggling with I was like, okay, well, how about if I just blind myself and then I don't see anything, <laughs> yeah. you know, but I blocked out the light, the beauty, the, the beneficial parts of life as well. So I set about opening back up and while I was going through this incredible spiritual and emotional transformation, I also went through this physical transformation. So I immediately lost a lot of the weight. I left my ex-husband with this, this toxic situation. I, a lot of my health issues just went away when I started working with the angels and opening up um, my abilities. And I think some of this has to do with, you know, there's a, a huge mind body connection. And when I was spiritually blocked, it also created a lot of physical blocks in my body. And mm -hmm. this um, is thought of in a lot of indigenous cultures as shaman sickness, meaning if you are here to be a teacher, healer, helper, and you don't do it, you can literally become sick. And if you don't listen to that message enough, you literally can die from it. And I think if I had kept going on the path that I was going on, that might've happened. Like it, it was, it was really a crucial point for me. And so while as challenging as it was, I don't regret it all. I mean, I learned so much and I learned also what happens when you don't listen to your intuition is not good. It's so much easier in always in terms of health, you know, finances, 
fun, joy, you know, whatever, if you open up and pay attention to your intuition. I know. I've learned that lesson the hard way too, where I'm like, <laughs> okay, if I hear it, so I'm going to do it. <laughs> I've learned, I've learned, I've learned. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can be a little challenging in the moment because you might not see exactly why you have to do that. Then later it's revealed, but yeah, yeah it's, that's the interesting definitely, part. Definitely about trust. And of course, the more that you do it, the more you learn to develop that trust. And for me, like I get the guidance down, it's so much easier for me to listen to it now than when I started. I remember when I first got some of these things and it was like my logical mind was, you know, really battling me. And for being um, a psychic medium, I'm actually highly analytical. And so that was always a struggle for me in the beginning was to sort of quiet the analytical side of my mind to allow for this other side to develop. Yeah, I was fascinated by that. So your background in college was um, poli-sci. Did I read that correctly in journalism? Yeah, so my under, I have an unusual background. So my undergrad is in theater. So I've always been very creative. And then I worked at the president's office of the University of Colorado. And while I was working there, I got my master's in political science. And then I ran for city council. I became a planning commissioner. Um, I was the executive director of a nonprofit. Um, I was very involved in politics and local government. And yeah, so that's, I mean, that's about as opposite from being a psychic as you can get, <laughs> yeah. you know, in a, in a lot of ways. Um, and yeah, as I opened up kind of energetically, spiritually, I just did this complete 180 and basically came to realize that I could be a lot more impactful and helpful in this new way. And, you know, so many people, this is what I'm hearing a lot, and I don't know if you hear this a lot from people who ask for readings or connect with you, people are longing for their purpose and their mission in life. And how do you guide people who feel this deep longing in our culture? Like we have a lot of wonderful things, but still I think there's this longing to spread love and enlightenment and people just don't know exactly how to do it. Yeah, I think completely. We we are feel our soul, and when we're missing something that our soul came here to do, or that our soul wants to do, or is aligned for us, it can feel like there's this something missing. As so I said, there's a lot of people that are going through this right now because, unfortunately, in our society, we're not taught to connect within our our soul, our higher self, our intuition, and it's like there's this huge missing piece of the puzzle. Like half of the puzzle is missing, you know. Yeah. And yes, the analytical, logical mind is really important, but that's just a piece of it, you know? And so we've swung so that in our society, it's so much on that side and the other side is, is missing and needs to be addressed. So I think people are, are seeking that out and thankfully there's more avenues or openness to it now than there used to be. And I highly encourage everyone to, you know, learn to meditate to start to receive information from their angels, their guides, or to, you know, book a session with someone like you or me to help them if they're, if they're feeling like, um, you know, they're struggling to access that information on their own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the, I connect people sometimes to the energy and I love doing that. You know, when people are sensitive enough to go, oh, okay, I feel that energy coming in. I feel that love. And to me, sometimes people need that connection with another person in order to feel it and have it validated for them that yes, this is happening totally. right now. Yeah. Totally. I think it can be very helpful to help a person understand what's going on. And I, I teach psychic development and it's, it's, um, it's really powerful to help for them to understand what's happening, get the confirmation and then learn how to access that for oh. themselves moving forward. 
Neat. I have a friend in Canada who does that too. I, I love courses like that because I think people have so many questions and it's really, it can be playful. I bet your courses are like that where people are encouraged to play in the process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And the angels, you know, again, there's different personality types of the angels, but overall I think the angels are very light and playful and really want the best for us. And uh, they want to connect with us and for us to lead the best life that we can. So I have to ask you a question. I know that you're writing a book right now about pets and their connection yeah. to us from the other side. And I made a post this morning on social media, just kind of honoring the animals that were in my life who passed over mm. and just remembering their, their story in my life. But do you, do you channel pet messages to people? I do. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. Some people start out in their work with animals, you know, um, right away, I've always felt very connected with animals and felt how special they were. But, you know, I started working with human, human clients and uh, people are so close with their pets that I started to get the requests um, from my human clients to <laughs> uh, either do mediumship with their animals who had crossed or to help um, their animals that, that were still here in body. And so it just kind of happened gradually. And the more that I did it, the more I grew to love it. So yeah, I have a book coming out on this work um, in the fall. And I think animals have so much to teach us and share with us. And, you know, especially with the pet, they, they're so close with us and they often are mirroring for us, whatever is going on. So for example, I had a reading with a, a client this morning where, you know, the, the messages were about, about this man's dog and what, you know, could we do to help the dog with his health and there were a bunch of things that I got through but then the other message that came forward was you know that this man had had some health crisis in his year the, this past year and that the dog's health was mirroring his health so if he actually shifted some things in his health the dog would also be assisted so and I find that kind of thing happens all the time one of the best things we can do to help our pets is actually to help ourselves and then the pets will be. <laughs> I love it. Place. Yeah. Yeah. That they're so energetically sensitive. They're picking up on our energy and what we're going through a lot of times. Yeah. And a lot of them have, you know, kind of healing, you know, paths themselves. And so, yeah, they're very tied and integrated with whatever's going on with us. Yeah. So I have another question for you too. You work with past lives and recently I got um, a few past life regressions and they were so transformative. And what was so amazing about them is that my reality changed like a week, a month, a few days after the regression that, that to me, that's a verifiable moment. You know, when you see reality shift because of that. Yeah. But, oh my gosh. Yeah. I love past life stuff. It is so fascinating. It always provides so much insight into whatever is going on with that person, um, you know, either karmically with someone else, with a situation, with a pattern, uh, you know, something that they're learning. And also it always just clarifies so much um, for people. And I, so I love doing that work. And I think when um, we start to look at that stuff, we can move forward sometimes way more quickly than if we, if we aren't looking at it. Right, right. That there's a shift that we see it differently in a different time period. One thing that really struck me yeah. is even as an early man, that was one of my past life regressions, uh, I was kind, you know, like I cared about yeah. the community and the safety and you don't think of people 
in those situations and other time periods still being essentially good, but the rules and regulations are not the same. It's just a different time. And, you know, all these sensitive souls live through these time periods. Absolutely. We've all had so many different lifetimes. And um, though there are a fair amount of young souls incarnated right now, if you are at the point where you're looking at past lives, you're probably an older soul that's ready to integrate some of that stuff. Um, by the way, I don't know if this has come up in, in your uh, sessions, but I'm definitely getting you some past lives for you in Egypt that were quite significant. Interesting. Yeah, there's so there's so many different realms to go into, but yeah, I'll have to mm -hmm. I'll have to ask. Them. <laughs> <laughs> mm, Amazing. Cool. So one of the things, um, if it's all right, I'd like to mention is uh, you brought up that I had these abilities since I was a child, and that you talk with a lot of near death experiencers. Um, one of the um, things that I've become aware of, you know, recently is that there is a connection with trauma of some kind or another and our ability to kind of connect and open with that realm so even though i didn't have uh, the trauma of a near-death experience i actually came into um a situation in my family where there was abuse and trauma um, um. from a young age and so i have noticed that as a pattern with those who have these gifts and abilities from an early age that sometimes that's um, a connection I know. I've, I've uh, started seeing this too, and several people have talked with that a lot of people have had an out-of-body experience when they're a child and they have a traumatic moment um, that they leave their body and that's that first awakening that, oh, I'm not my body, you know, that I'm outside of. And it's actually a beautiful thing on that level, even though they're witnessing something terrible that's happening to them. Right. They still right. are aware of the soul and the soul's journey, and that makes all the difference in the world. Completely. <laughs> and the real healing comes from, I think, from that spiritual realm and from connecting with it. And it sounds like you feel that way too. It sounds like a lot of your work is focused on healing. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I love healing and helping and teaching, you know, in, in so many uh, different ways, empowering people um, and helping them to leave the, you know, the best life that they can. Um, how to heal from within, how to connect with their guides. Uh, you know, I, I'm very blessed if you could see the transformation that I've gone through from, you know, being in a bad marriage and being physically sick and unemployed. And now I, you know, I have a pretty glamorous life. I mean, I was just at Con for the film festival and, you know, they went to Spain and Venice. And <laughs> I, you know, just having these incredible life experiences and, you know, that whatever it is that we dream of and want in our life that it's possible so often i think we get the message that we have to live this kind of small limited life and it's just not true so i i want people to not only connect with their you know guides and angels but also to just understand how beautiful this life can be and just what's possible yeah i encounter a lot of people who are deeply hurt and i think that healing work is is a lot of times just opening up to feeling i am worthy of, of this better situation or this better life and and sometimes that starts in small increments for people you know sometimes Absolutely. they make huge breakthroughs but sometimes i just say okay if you can't imagine something fantastic then just imagine a little better and every day yeah. imagine a little better <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely, you know, in steps. And uh, I think manifesting and opening to receiving is definitely something it's like a muscle. And you it gets stronger over time when you use it. And it can also atrophy <laughs> if you don't use it. <laughs> but yeah. it does 
does get easier. So I can manifest things now that would have seemed, you know, very challenging when I first started out. Yeah. Tell me more about that. Cause that's something else you teach, isn't it? Some manifestation yeah. tips. Yeah, absolutely. So with manifesting, you know, there's several steps that may seem simple, but of course there's complexities wrapped around it. Um, you know, the first thing is setting your attention on what it is that you wants to bring in and this is harder than it might seem on the surface for some people especially if you have beliefs about what's possible or not um then it's asking for help and i think this is a key step with asking your angels and spirit guides and the universe to support you in this uh transition and process to bring in whatever it is you want to manifest and then a really key part is working through any patterns beliefs um or releasing any energies that are not in alignment with whatever it is that you want to bring in. And I think this is the part that causes a lot of issues for people is, you know, sometimes we can't have, uh, you know, one thing and the other thing that we want to bring in. Like we can't have uh, this amazing life and our addictions, or we can't have, you know, this in a codependent relationship or <laughs> right. whatever. And so identifying those things and releasing. So if you're struggling with manifesting and you feel, you know, it's not, something's not coming in, that there may be something that you need to release to allow for that to come in for you. That's a very interesting point too. And I think there's also um, hard work connected with some things that people want to manifest too. And, you know, you can't want just ease and sitting around <laughs> and then sometimes bringing in, you know, what you want, that there is some work, but it can be fun. And that's, that's what I remind people that if you're excited about what you're doing, if you have this rush of energy, then it feels less like work and it feels more like, oh God, I've got to do this. Yeah, yeah. And I think that um, the hard part is like in the energy and in the releasing frequently. Um, and then, and then it, but even that becomes easier over time. So I can release a lot more easily now than, you know, when I started. And so if something feels hard, you know, I think the other piece is that we grow through this struggle and challenge, but it's, it's a matter of figuring out, you know, what is growth and what is just being in struggle unnecessarily. <laughs> yeah. Challenging piece, but again, with practice, you start to hmm. determine those more. <laughs> That's a really good one. And what is the difference? I'm thinking about that now between growth and struggle. I think you're right. When you're batting your head against an addiction or a bad relationship or or something that's truly not healthy for you that's struggle and that's just the never-ending loop but when you are trying to get to the next level of something and you're trying to break through then that seems like sometimes i've had to pull up from the earth and this is a practice i do i just go outside put my feet on the ground and say okay from the earth to the sky you know i'm just bringing in power in all directions and i can do this and and, you know, just that, that power comes in. Absolutely. Yeah. So one of the things you can do to ask yourself is, is whatever I'm kind of working on, struggling against, is this building towards something that I want to achieve? Or is this kind of lost energy going to something that, that isn't what I want to create? So yeah, it's a process. And again, over time, you, you get better at figuring out what that is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, what's been one of, and well, end with this question, but what's been one of the most surprising elements of the journey, you know, after that, that healing crisis and that life change, what, what has really surprised you on this journey? Gosh, I think I talked about a little bit already, but just, just how much is possible. 
I, I think like many people, I grew up with societal messages and family messages about limitation and kind of lack and struggle and kind of keeping myself small. And as I've gone more and more into my work with angels and learned to connect with my higher self and guys, it's just like, oh my gosh, there is so much possible. And all that stuff is uh, frankly BS. <laughs> it's just not true. And, and then as you release those beliefs, then even more is possible because it's literally just kind of like the program of a computer that allows for different things to come in your life. And as you reprogram that computer, you reprogram your mind, your energy field, the incredible stuff just comes in. So yeah, I, I have a very um, synchronistic kind of in, incredible life, you know, because I've, I've done a lot of that shifting. But when you're starting, it can, it can feel hard. That's the, the part we're talking about where it can feel hard in the beginning. And so if you're trying to bring something in and it, it's not working, you know, right away, don't give up. Just keep working at it. Ask your angels and spirit guides to help you release anything in your life, any pattern, belief, situation, uh, relationship that's not aligned with where you want to go and, and who you want to be. And then just keep moving forward on it. And then to believe when your angels give you these messages, and it may not happen, you know, next week or next month, it might be a year, but still when those images come in, I think they are meant to give people faith and hope and belief. And sometimes it can seem a little overwhelming. Like, seriously, this is the image you're giving me, but, but it's still a beautiful connection. Absolutely. And then one message I'm getting to share right now is that a lot of times when we are feeling fear, resistance, you know, worry, that that is literally not ours. And so people, um, are very sensitive, you know, often telepathic, empathic, they are picking up on thoughts and feelings from other entities, from other people, from society. And I've gotten the message that most people have very light, positive, optimistic thoughts on their own. And when they're picking up on something that isn't, when they feel like they have a thought or feeling that's not that, it, it's frequently coming from outside of themselves. And people just tend to take ownership of that and assume that it's theirs, when in fact it's not. And this happened for me. I'm extremely telepathic. I mean, that's what allows me to do my work. And I'm, I feel very blessed for it now. But growing up, I was very confusing. I grew up thinking I was ugly, had a lot of negative thoughts. I was suicidal. Um, and, and then once I opened up and understood my abilities and it was like, oh my gosh, that is not mine. All those negative thoughts are not mine. And it was like this life-changing moment when I figured that out. I, I remember reading um, Eckhart Tolle's book, The Power of Now, and he talks about this and it's really important. Like you are not your thoughts. And I would add to that, your thoughts are not necessarily yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so think of it as, as more like a conversation, like thoughts are like, a conversation that you're a part of. Like when we're talking and I can tell when you're talking and when I'm talking, but when our thoughts, it tends to be all jumbled together. And so not to take ownership of whatever comes in. That's so important. That's a wonderful message. And it's something that I, I work with too. And I've realized this over time and, and thoughts, you can feed yourself good thoughts too. So I reach for really good thoughts because I'm like, well, these thoughts are making me unhappy. So why don't I go read something that makes me happy and, and yeah. then feed my body with those thoughts. And then the feelings resonate with those particular thoughts. And it's, 
it's a little bit of work, but hey, it's good work. <laughs> you know, it's work that Absolutely. shifts everything. And so that's another way to do that. But I found, and I don't know if you found this too, but when I go out to nature, I can rid myself a little quicker of some of those thoughts that are not my own, but I kind of become more essentially me. Yeah, I think there is lots of clearing techniques that really help. But yeah, being in nature, for me, trees are very clearing, like being around trees in particular. Yes. For some people, water, you know, being in or around water. For some people, they do really like mountains and that kind of grounding, you know, stone, earth energy. So different things work for different people. But yeah, absolutely. Nature as a whole is super clearing. Yeah. Um, and then and meditation, I think, is a wonderful tool that everyone can access wherever they are. Well, tell everyone, um, I'll, of course, post your links below, but tell everyone where the best place to find you and, and what's going on with you right now. Great. Yeah. So for this healing and psychic work, my website is healingpowers.net. Again, that's healingpowers.net, not .com. And on there, you can find my podcast where actually you, you are a guest that's about to be released on my show, Healing Powers Podcast. You can also find that on Apple Podcasts, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, all the, the platforms. I have a blog. Um, you can also find my services, classes, online courses. So I have a manifesting course that's on there now. I'm about to release a course on angels. And also I love to connect with people on social media. So my Instagram is laurapowers44, 44 because it's an angel number. And then I'm also on Facebook at Healing Powers as well. Awesome. Well, it has been such a pleasure talking with you and I'll keep up with you. I like watching your journey. It's a fun one. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you. You too. It's so great to connect with you. Wonderful. And for those who are watching, please check out Laura's links and please check out the link for the Near Death Experience Summit coming up on June 23rd. You can watch those videos ahead of time. Lots of different speakers and researchers and it will be a lot of fun. But thank you for listening and may you be